This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Good morning, church. We'll be reading from Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 to 14. You can open your Bible or you can follow the text shown on the Zoom screen. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced to the gospel in advance to Abraham, all nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. This is the Word of God. Okay, good morning, everyone. Uh, it's really good to have you all here today. Um, bit of a difficult passage today, so we really need to ask God to help us to uh, really get into the passage. So let's bow our heads in prayer now as we speak to God to ask for His help. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, uh, we realize that it's not because of our intelligence or how smart we are that we are able to understand and accept your word, but rather it's because you in your grace have given us the Holy Spirit to be able to understand and to take to heart uh, what your word says to us. And so today we humbly come before you as we sit under Galatians chapter 3, that you may help us to unpack uh, the fullness of this passage and to take to heart what it's saying. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now I want you to imagine, uh, maybe, you know, I, I, I've gone on a holiday, I've gone on some sabbatical, and you receive a letter, right? Imagine you receive a letter from the pastor. You think, oh, you know, the pastor's really good. You know, he, how nice of the pastor. He sent me a letter. And you open the letter, and the letter reads, My dear foolish Christians, my dear foolish Christians in BTPC. Now, you find that really shocking, right? You know, your mouth would drop open. You know, you might be even offended. But that's exactly how today's passage begins, right? So Paul begins by saying, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Now, uh, this word here, foolish, actually, uh, is even stronger than that, right? Um, there's another translation which you can find. 
called the J.B. Phillips translation, and it translates it like this. Oh, you dear idiots of Galatia, right? Uh, who has been casting a spell over you? And so in every way, uh, right from the very beginning of today's passage, you can see that Paul is using really strong language, even offensive language. And he's doing this to get the attention of the readers. And so today, as we look at today's, at this passage as well, uh, we, would, we would do well to really pay attention because Paul obviously feels very, very, very strongly that uh, what he's saying here is something that uh, people really need to pay attention to. So in the last uh, couple of uh, weeks, we've been looking at the book of Galatians, and Paul had been defending his apostleship, and he'd been defending his gospel. And so, you know, over the last few weeks in Galatians chapter 1 and 2, Paul had been saying that, you know, he had been personally chosen, divinely called, commissioned by Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul's gospel, he said, had been divinely entrusted to him and been given special revelation of this gospel. And so today, as we come to this passage, we see that Paul repeats what he's been saying in Galatians chapter 1 and 2. And so in Galatians chapter 1 and 2, what had he been saying? He'd been saying that the core of the gospel, the fundamental of the gospel, was Jesus Christ crucified. And that's what he says. He says, you know, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, he has clearly portrayed Jesus Christ as crucified, right? So this is the core of the gospel. And this makes a lot of sense because what he now accuses the uh, Galatians of is being bewitched, being bewitched, okay? So the idea of being bewitched is the idea by which someone casts a spell over you. Right, like witchcraft, like black magic, uh, where you, instead of uh, thinking clearly, you're fascinated and drawn to and attracted and allured by something different. And so what Paul is really saying is that he can't understand what is happening here. Right? He has been preaching faith in Jesus Christ crucified as the core of the gospel. But what seems to have been happening instead is that they have been attracted to works of the law, circumcision, Jewish customs, food laws. And the only way he can understand it is to see that they have been bewitched, right? Like they've been, someone has cast a spell over them and now they can't focus on what Paul has been saying, but instead they've been allured and attracted and running off to look at other things. And so Paul then goes on in verse, this first section, right? First section of Verse 1 to verse 5 is the first section. And, and so in this section, he begins with a series of questions to, in a sense, undo the foolishness or unbewitch them or unidiot them, right? So he begins by saying, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law, about believing what you've heard? Now, obviously, this is a rhetorical question because he's already been telling them that he's been preaching to them the gospel about Jesus Christ crucified. So we already know that what Paul is saying here is that they receive the Spirit by believing what they have heard, right? The proclamation of Jesus Christ crucified. But Paul here takes his argument in a slightly different direction from Genesis, sorry, from Galatians chapter 1 and 2. So this new theme. A new idea that's being introduced here is the idea of the Spirit, okay? 
so in the spirit, he talks about how did you receive the spirit after beginning with the spirit? Did God give you the spirit? So why is Paul talking here about the spirit? Now, what's the spirit got to do with all these things? Now, as we look at this passage, I think what Paul is trying to say is the spirit is the mark of acceptance, the mark of belonging to God's people. And so if we look here in Acts chapter 15, uh, it says that uh, Paul had been talking with the uh, Jerusalem uh, people, and he said, look, the Gentiles have heard from my lips the message of the gospel and believe, and how do we know that they are now accepted by God? God accepted them by the giving of the Holy Spirit. And so what Paul is really saying here is that the, the giving of the Spirit, the receiving of the Spirit, the beginning of the Spirit, is really tied to belonging to God. It now shows that they belong to God, they're acceptable to God, they're now part of the family of God. Okay, so the point that Paul is trying to make here then is did they receive the Spirit? Do they belong to God because of observing the law or by believing? And obviously the answer must be believing what they had heard, believing about the clear proclamation of the crucified Jesus Christ. Now, there's a flow in the argument here. Right? There's a logic uh, one of the great things about Galatians, Galatians is that there's this very tight logic which flows through the whole book. And so last week, Paul had made the very strong point, right? In chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, that was like the purple passage in chapter 2, right? That people, uh, the Jews and the Gentiles also, are not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, Right? So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ, not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. And so what's happened here in chapter 3 is that Paul is developing the logic which he already started in chapter 2. So in chapter 2, it said that faith, faith in the crucified Jesus, right, in the crucified Jesus, leads to people being justified, not guilty. It's only because they are declared not guilty and justified before God that they are now acceptable to God and therefore they receive the Holy Spirit. And through receiving the Holy Spirit, they now belong to God. They are now part of God's family. Now, this is the core of what we are learning today. This is like the first principles, the fundamentals of the gospel that Paul preachers. Now, Paul then goes on and asks the second question, right? So if this is the call, faith, justification, receiving the Holy Spirit, belong to God, then he asks the second question, are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Uh, now, the J.B. Phillips translation, again, I think it was quite helpful. We can draw from that. Don't be so Idiotic, right? To think that a man begins his spiritual life in the spirit, but then completes it by reverting to our observances. And I think this is really important because what this is showing here is that, you know, Paul is saying, look, you begin 
by having faith in this crucified Jesus that I proclaim to you, but now you're moving away from the spirit that you've already received and trying to attain your goal by human effort. You begin in the spirit, but you're trying to complete by your own human effort. And he says, look, this is idiotic. Right? This is foolish. This is empty-headed. Why? Because by receiving the spirit, you've already, in a sense, got the goal of your faith. You, you know, you're going to, you've already been justified. You're going to receive eternal life. You're going to receive heaven. It's almost like with the spirit, you're guaranteed the goal of salvation. But now you're going back to human effort and you're losing the goal. You're losing the spirit. Now today I'm going to have a few illustrations and they're all kind of like sporting based. So if you're not really into sporting based illustrations, that's okay. I hope that you'll still be able to follow. But there's a saying in the sporting world, right? Snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, right? Snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. And you know, for some of us who support some of our soccer teams or the EPL, uh, some teams are notorious for snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. And what that really means is that, you know, your team is doing well, they're up maybe by a couple of goals, everything is going smoothly, and victory is assured, victory is guaranteed. And then they do something really stupid, right, idiotic, and then they snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. And that's what Paul is saying, are you so foolish? Are you so idiotic? You already have the goal of salvation. You already have the Holy Spirit. You know, you're assured and guaranteed of eternal life, of heaven, of, you know, salvation. But by returning to human effort, you're snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. And so he goes on in verse 5. Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you have heard? Now, if you've been paying attention to the sermon, if you've been paying attention to the text, you'll notice that verse 5 is exactly the same question as verse 2, right? We're kind of like, hey, this question is the same, right? So Paul seems to be asking the same question again. Now, why is that? I think the reason why he's doing this is to go get them to go back to the fundamentals. Go back to first principles. Go back to the core and the basics of Christian salvation. Now, I know that uh, for many uh, like really, really uh, the greatest sportsman, right? One of the secrets of their success is to always go back to the fundamentals, always go back to the basics, always go back to the core. And so um, there's this guy, Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholas is more successful than Tiger Woods, right? In golf. And so he used to say, you know, you need to learn the fundamentals of the game and stick to it. And he lived that out in his own career. Because at the beginning of each season, he would go back to his coach and he would ask his coach to teach him about the grip and about the stance all over again. Can you imagine here, you're the greatest golfer in the world and you're starting with how to grip the club and how to stand in front of the golf ball. But for him, going back to the fundamentals and sticking with them was what made him the greatest golfer. And so there's this guy too, Eddie Jones, who's the coach of the England rugby team. And he was saying, you know, core skills are the most important things that even for the, the you know, the, the England rugby team, they begin and end their sessions with going back to core skill work. 
And so he quoted this guy called Vince Lombardi. You may have heard of Vince, Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi was uh, like the greatest football, American football coach. And so Vince Lombardi said, excellence is achieved by the mastery of the fundamentals. And so he would begin every season by holding up the football and say, gentlemen, this is a football. And what are we trying to do with this football? And so what Paul is trying to say here is, look, what are the fundamentals, the core, the first principles of Christian salvation? It is faith. Through faith, you receive the Holy Spirit and you belong to God. Okay? And so once you get back to basics, it means, therefore, that you don't go back. You don't get bewitched. You're not foolish to add your own human effort. You're not going back and fascinated by the works of the law. So this is the first section, verse five, 1 to 5. Okay, that's the first section. So now we turn to the second section. Now, the first section ends with this question, right? You know, do you, did God give you the Spirit because you believe what you heard? And so the second section, uh, Paul then takes this idea of belief and expands on this idea of belief and faith. Okay, expands on this idea of belief and faith. And so what does he say? He says, look, consider Abraham. Consider Abraham. Who is this guy, Abraham? And why is he so important that we should consider him? Abraham is like the first person to be justified by God. He's the first person to be part of the family of God. He is like the forefather of all the other people uh, who are part of God's people. He's the forefather of the Jewish nation. And so what's happening here is that God had made uh, promises to Abraham. So in Genesis chapter 12, okay, Genesis chapter 12, the Lord has said to Abraham, leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so for the Jews, they believe that if you want to inherit the promises given to Abraham, if you want to be blessed through Abraham, okay, so this is Abraham, right? Representative Abraham. You're going to be blessed through Abraham, receive the promises that Abraham got. Then what do you need to do? You need to be circumcised. Because God, right, had said that if you want to be part of the family of Abraham to receive these blessings, you need to be circumcised. So in Genesis chapter 17, uh, God had said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Okay, I want you to pay great attention here. Right? Pay, pay attention. You're dreaming. Look at this. Genesis chapter 17, right? Genesis chapter 17. Genesis 17. Pay attention, 17, right? So Paul says, yes. Okay, you all think that to be part of the family 
of Abraham, to belong to the promises of Abraham, to get the blessings of Abraham, you need to be circumcised. All right. And so you got that from Genesis chapter 17. But Paul doesn't go to Genesis chapter 17. Where does he go? He goes to Genesis chapter 15. Okay, so he quotes here from Genesis chapter 15. Now, what comes first? Genesis chapter 15 or Genesis chapter 17? 15 or 17? Which one comes first? Of course, 15, right? 15 comes before 17. So what, he, uh, so what Paul does is he takes this quote from Genesis chapter 15, where it says, Abram believed the Lord and was credited to him as righteousness. And what he says here is, look, when did Abraham get righteousness? When did he get justification? Not when he was circumcised, but through belief, right? Circumcision came much later. Circumcision came two chapters later and later on in his life. And so he then applies this to this situation. But before we do that, we need to kind of take a moment to say, you know, look, this new word, right? We've been looking at justification in chapter 2. And now, this is new word, righteousness. But actually, they're the same family of word, right? Justification and righteousness, they, they belong to the same family. Both of them are the idea of being declared not guilty or right before God. So, justified means not guilty. Righteous means right in a legal way. And so what Paul is really saying here is, look, if you look at, uh, if you look at the life of Abraham, when was he justified? When was he righteous? Was it when he was circumcised? No, right? It was when he believed, when he had faith in God. So what counts is not the circumcision. What counts is Abram's faith. And that's what we need to follow. Not the circumcision, but the faith, the belief. That's what really counts. And so that's why Paul goes on in his argument by saying, understand, understand. This word understand is not just understand from an intellectual point of view, but it's understand from a wake up. Wake up and understand. Wake up and apply uh, what, what has happened in, in Abraham's life. Okay, so apply, understand, wake up. That those who believe, right, even the Jews, for those who believe the Jews, okay, they are children of Abraham because they believe not because of circumcision. That's what makes you a child of Abraham, because you believe. The scripture, okay, in Genesis chapter 12, Genesis 12, right, okay, foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel and advance to Abraham, all nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And so the point is quite clear here. There's a progression in the argument, okay? First, Abraham was not justified because of circumcision, but faith. So, how are people to belong to the family of Abraham? How are they to receive the promises given by God to Abraham? How will they get the blessings of God to Abraham? It is by faith, okay? By faith. Then, he then says, look, the Jews... We're not circumcised, sorry, we're not, we're not belonging to the family of Abraham because they were circumcised, but because of their faith. That's how they were justified and righteous. Right? It's faith that counts. 
And then he now applies it to the Gentiles. He says, look, the Gentiles as well also belong to Abraham, and they also will be blessed by God because they are justified and righteous before God. They have the same faith as Abraham. Now, once we see this uh, logic or what's happening here, uh, Paul, we see, is, is extremely, extremely uh, uh, persuasive in the, uh, in the way that he says this. Look at what he says here. Okay, You may not have noticed it. He says, look, all nations will be blessed through you, right, through Abraham. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now, this is uh, important, right? The man of faith thing. He doesn't say, uh, you know, the Gentiles will be, uh, will, will be blessed, the nations will be blessed along with Abraham, the man of circumcision. But instead, what does he say? He says, look, we are blessed where we have faith along with Abraham, the, the man of faith. That is the characteristic of Abraham that we should be following, not the characteristic of circumcision. And that's why the Gentiles by faith also are blessed along with Abraham because they are following the great forefather in Abraham, the man of faith. So Gentiles in faith will be blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now, this is really important, right? Because it shows us that it is through faith that we receive the Holy Spirit and we belong to God. That's what we learned in the first section, verse 1 to 5. Then the second section is, because of faith in God, the Gentiles also belong to Abraham and are blessed through Abraham, justified and righteous. So you see that? Through faith, we belong to God because we receive the Holy Spirit. Through faith, the Gentiles belong to Abraham, are blessed and justified and righteous before God. Now, I think this is really, really important uh, because I think today, even as in the days of Galatians, uh, people are easily attracted, bewitched, and drawn away from faith to, to follow other things and to be distracted by other things. So recently, um, uh, some Christians outside of our church, uh, some people I've spoken to, uh, they tell me that they've been receiving some WhatsApps or whatever, telling them that, you know, so that the vaccine is like the mark of the beast. And so as Christians, uh, they shouldn't be vaccinated. Now, that's really interesting because I think this part of Galatians, in a way, speaks to why we shouldn't be bewitched and drawn to other things apart from the fundamentals, the basics, the first principles of salvation. What is the first principle of salvation again? It is not vaccination, right? Vaccination is not what gets us the Holy Spirit and belonging to God, right? Vaccination is not what gets us into the family of Abraham or receiving the blessings given to Abraham. It is rather faith. So faith is what counts in God's plan, right? Faith is what you need to belong to God. Faith is what you need to receive the Holy Spirit. Let us not be distracted and bewitched and, and fascinated and attracted and allured right, by other things apart from faith, including vaccination. Right? Right? The Bible doesn't speak about vaccination. The Bible wants us to go to the fundamentals, the basics, which is faith. Faith is what saves us. So, first thing, salvation issue. The second thing is a belonging issue. 
So sometimes when people say, oh, you know, the vaccination is the mark of the beast, if you look in the book of Revelation chapter 14, what does it really mean? It means that you belong to Satan. You worship Satan, right? And you are destined for God's wrath, God's fury. But again, what have we been learning today? Through faith, we belong to God. We belong to Abraham. We are destined not for God's fury. We belong to God. We're justified. We are righteous. We don't face God's fury anymore. So again, uh, in, 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 in Galatians' time, the Christians were being divided because they were bewitched by external things like circumcision, food laws, Jewish customs. And Paul says, no, 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 right? In, in faith, all of you, Jew, Gentiles, belong to God and belong to the family of Abraham. And the same way, we shouldn't let vaccination be an issue which divides us as Christians because in the same faith in the crucified Jesus clearly proclaimed to us, we all belong to God. We all belong to the family of Abraham. The last thing I think we should apply is the evangelism issue. The evangelism issue. Now, it's fascinating, this passage, right? Because what it says here is that the scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Genesis chapter 12 Right, the scripture foresaw that Gentiles would be included in the family of God. In Genesis 12, we have the gospel. Now, what is the gospel? The gospel is that all nations will be blessed through you. Right, that those who have faith right in Jesus Christ will be blessed along with the man of faith. So, this is God's plan. And our role in God's plan must be, therefore, to proclaim faith in the crucified Jesus Christ. We must clearly proclaim Jesus as crucified, invite people to have faith in Jesus so that they may be blessed through the promises given in Genesis chapter 12, that people may be justified. But the problem is, over the last few weeks, uh, as you can see in some of the Straits Times articles, um, I have... Non-Christian people, not asking me about Jesus Christ or asking me about Jesus on the cross or asking me about faith. They're asking me about, about my view, Christian's view or my, as a pastor on, on vaccination. But the problem is, is you know, vaccination is a, is a distraction. Vaccination is taking us away from God's plan, from all nations to be blessed through the promises given Abraham. So let's not be bewitched. Let's not be foolish. Let's not be preaching vaccination, but let's be preaching Jesus Christ crucified. Preaching faith in Jesus Christ. Because that's what, that's what God's plan is, right? God's plan is not for us to be preaching about vaccination. So, basics, fundamentals, first principles. By faith in the crucified Jesus, we belong to God and we belong to family of Abraham. Now, first part was verse 1 to 5. Second part was verse 6 to 9. And now we come to the third part, the third section of this passage. All who rely on observing the law under a curse, for it is written, curse is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. 
Now, this phrase here under the curse is what links this passage to the previous section. You see, in the previous section, what was uh, Paul talking about? He was talking about blessings, right? Blessings. Okay? But now, Paul wants to look at the opposite of blessings. He wants to talk about curses. Okay? So, you know, the, the, the repeated word in this section is curse, 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 right? It's all about curses. So, what is he saying? The key thing he's saying here is that if you observe the law, rather than getting blessings, the blessings given to Abraham, you are under a curse. Now, what does it mean here to be under a curse? What Paul is saying here is that the, cur the law brings us under tyranny or under bondage or under slavery of the law. Now, why is that? Why is uh, observing the law like being under tyranny or bondage or slavery? It's because if you want to observe the law, then you must do everything written about in the book of the law. Now, the point is that no one can do everything written in the book of the law. So last week, uh, I was uh, on surfing the internet and I, I was reading some things which was sinful. Like, you know, I, I realized, oh, this is sin. I shouldn't be reading this. You know, terrible. And I'm, but in all honesty, uh, I've been a Christian now for 30 years. Uh, being honest with myself, I will honestly say I'm more godly today than I was 30 years ago. I mean, I'm more godly now today than I was when I first became a Christian. But I still fall into sin. I cannot be perfect. Uh, the irony is, the more I understand the Bible, the more I realize I'm further away from what God requires me to do in the book of the law. And so that's, that's terrible, right? It's like this great weight or tyranny or, or bondage uh, or, or curse that I'm under. And that's what Paul is really saying. If you want to try to justify yourself by the works of the law, what he says is you are under the law. Okay, this word under is very important, right? It's like the picture of being under subjugation, under bondage, under slavery. You're under a curse, he says, if you try to justify yourself through the law. So, the good news is in verse 13. Jesus, it says, redeemed us from the curse of the law to become a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone who is hung on a tree. Now, see what Paul has done here? Inspired by the Holy Spirit when he writes the Bible, he has taken us back to chapter 3, verse 1. Because he says, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. And what does he say here in verse 13? He says, look, Jesus Christ was crucified. Why? Cursed is anyone who is hung on a tree. So Jesus Christ, who is God's son, perfectly holy in every way, perfectly righteous in every way, becomes a curse for us. He curses himself by being crucified on the cross. He who had no curse becomes our curse. He substitutes himself to take our curse. And he does so in order to redeem us from the curse. The word redeem here is the idea of setting free from captivity. 
right? Setting free from captivity. That's what redemption means. Okay, when someone sets you free from being under uh, captivity or bondage or slavery, uh, the meaning of the word redeem is the word saved, right? Rescue, uh, liberate, uh, deliver, free. That's what redeem means. And so Jesus' work on the cross redeems us, frees us from the from being under the bondage of the law and the curse of sin. And this wonderful good news, right? This freedom that we have. And so verse 14 is the last verse that we're looking at, and it's full, full of profound insight, this verse. Because in this verse 14, uh, Paul returns to the themes of the first section and the second section and says, look, the redemption that we receive from Jesus achieves for us everything that was said in the first section and second section. Jesus Christ, it says, redeemed us. Why? So that by faith we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. First section, right? Okay, first section. Okay. By faith, we receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we believe in Jesus redeeming us, justifying us, giving us righteousness. Now we are receiving the Holy Spirit. We can belong to God. Also, the redemption of Jesus, what does he do? It gives us the blessings. Right? It gives us the blessings that were given to Abraham that were to come to the Gentiles because of Jesus Christ, which is the second section, right? By faith in this crucified Jesus who redeems us, we now belong to the family of Abraham. We now receive the blessings given to Abraham. And so, now that we've come to the end of this section, what we really see here is that faith is the core, the fundamental, the basics, the first principles of salvation. Through faith, we belong to God, we receive the Holy Spirit. Through faith, we belong to the family of Abraham and we get the blessings of God. And so, in conclusion, there's this guy, quite a famous guy by the name of Steve Covey, he wrote this book about the secrets of success, right? And one of the secrets of success is what he says, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. Okay, so as we've seen before, Jack Nicholas, Eddie Jones, Vince Lombardi, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. You must always go back to the basics, the fundamentals, the first principles, the core. And what Paul is saying here is exactly the same. The main thing so keep the main thing, the main thing. And what is the main thing that we've learned today? The main thing is that we need to have faith. We have to have faith in alone, in Christ alone, and we cannot be bewitched or foolish or be idiots to be drawn to other things. Because if we are drawn to other things, what happens? Chapter 3, verse 1. You're being foolish, right? You're being bewitched. Because Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Keep to the main thing, right? Don't be foolish. Don't be idiots. Don't be bewitched. Don't have someone cast a spell on you. Because if you lose the main thing, then all you are is being foolish and bewitched. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we truly want to pray that you may help us to see the core, the fundamental, and the, 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 
the principal values of salvation, that we will not be bewitched or idiotic or, or, or foolish to, to start with uh, the basics and move on to other things, for we will lose the spirit, we will lose the goal of salvation. Uh, dear Father, we pray for ourselves uh, that, that we will learn from the tone, the mood, the emphasis of Paul's message here in Galatians chapter 3, that it is so, so important for us for whether we live in, in Paul's time in Galatia or in Singapore today, uh, we have a proneness to overestimate our ability to keep the law, overestimate uh, the importance of other things and be drawn to them. But what's really important is Jesus curse because he was hung on a tree for us, redeeming us from the curse of the law, so that indeed we may receive your spirit, belong to you, belong to the family of Abraham, and be blessed by you. And so we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.